Day Ten, the seventh story of the Decameron. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Miette. The Decameron, by Giovanni Boccaccio, translated. By J. M. Rigg. Day 10. The Seventh Story. King Pedro, being apprised of the fervent love borne him by Lisa, who Farov is sick, comforts her, and forthwith gives her in marriage to a young gentleman, and having kissed her on the brow, ever after professes himself her knight. When Fiametta was come to the end of the, her story, and not a little praise had been accorded to the virile magnificence of King Charles, albeit one there was of the ladies, who being a gibbelin joined not therein, Pompinea, having received the king's command, thus began. None is there of discernment, worshipful my ladies that would say otherwise than you have said touching good king charles unless for some other cause she bear him a grudge however for that there comes to my mind thee perchance no less honourable in treatment of one of our florentine girls by one of his adversaries i am minded to recount the same to you what time the French were driven forth of Sicily, there dwelt at Palermo one of our Florentines. That was an apothecary, Bernardo Puccini by name, a man of great wealth, that by his lady had an only and exceeding fair daughter, then of marriageable age. Now, King Pedro of Aragon, being instated in the sovereignty of the island, did, at Palermo, make with his barons marvellous celebration thereof, during which, as he tilted after the Catalan fashion, it befell that Bernardo's daughter, Lisa by name, being with other ladies at a window, did thence espy him in the course, whereat, being prodigiously delighted, she regarded him again and again, and grew fervently enamoured of him. Nor yet, when the festivities were ended, and she was at home with her father, was there aught she could think of but this, her exalted and aspiring love. In regard whereof that which most irked her was her sense of her low rank which scarce permitted her any hope of a happy issue, but, for all that, give over her love for the king she would not. Nor yet, for fear of worse to come, dared she discover it. The king, meanwhile, wrecking, witting nothing of the matter, her suffering waxed immeasurable, intolerable, and her love ever growing, 
with ever-fresh accessions of melancholy, the fair maiden, overborne at last, fell sick, and visibly day by day wasted like snow in sunlight. Distraught with grief thereat, her father and mother afforded her such succour as they might with words of good cheer, and counsel of physicians, and physic, but all to no purpose, for that she, in despair of her love, was resolved no more to live. Now, her father, assuring her that there was no whim of hers but should be gratified, the fancy took her that, if she might find apt means, she would, before she died, make her love and her resolve known to the king, Wherefore one day she besought her father to cause Minuccio d'Arezzo to come to her, which Minuccio was a singer, and the musician of those days, reputed most skilful, and well seen of King Pedro. Bernardo, deeming that Lisa desired but to hear him play and sing a while, conveyed her message to him, and he being an agreeable fellow, came to her forthwith, and after giving her some words of loving cheer, sweetly discoursed some airs upon his viol, and then sang her some songs, whereby, while he thought to comfort her, he did but add fire and flame to her love. Presently the girl said that she would fain say a few words to him in private, and when all else were withdrawn from the chamber. Minuccio, quoth she, thee have I chosen, deeming thee most trusty to be the keeper of my secret, relying upon thee in the first place never to betray it to a soul, and next to lend me in regard thereof such aid as thou mayst be able, and so I pray thee to do. Thou must know then, Minuccio mine, that on the day when our lord King Pedro held the great festival and celebration of his triumph, I, seeing him tilt, was so smitten with love of him, that thereof was kindled within my soul the fire which has brought me, as thou seest, to this pass. And knowing how ill it beseems me to love a king, and being unable, I say not to banish it from my heart, but so much as to bring it within bounds. And finding it exceeding grievous to bear, I have made choice of death as the lesser pain, and die I shall. But should he wot not of my love before I die, sore disconsolate should I depart, and knowing not by whom more aptly than by thee I might give him to know this my frame, I am minded to entrust the communication thereof to thee, which office I entreat thee not to refuse, and having discharged it to let me know that dying thus consoled, I may depart this pain. Which said, she silently wept. Marvelling at the loftiness of the girl's spirit and her desperate determination, Minuccio commiserated her, not a little, and presently it occurred to him that there was a way in which he might honourably serve her. 
Wherefore, Lisa, quoth he, my faith I plight thee, wherein thou mayst place sure confidence that I shall never play thee false, and lauding thy high emprise to wit, the setting thine affections upon so great a king, I proffer thee mine aid, whereby so thou wilt be of good cheer, I hope, and believe that before thou shalt see the third day from now go by, I shall have brought thee tidings, which will be to thee for an exceeding great joy. And, not to lose time, I will set to work at once. And so Lisa, assuring him that she would be of good cheer, and plying him afresh with instant obsecrations, bade him God speed. And Minutio, having taken leave of her, hide him to one Mico de Siena, a very expert rhymester of those days, who, at his instant request, made the ensuing song. Hence hie thee, love, and hasting to my king, give him to know what torment dire I bear, how that to death I fare still close for fear my passion harbouring. Lo, love, to thee with clasped hands I turn, and pray thee seek him where he tarrieth, and tell him how I oft for him to yearn, so sweetly he my heart enamoureth, and of the fire wherewith I thoroughly burn I think to die, but may the hour on earth save when my grievous pain shall with my breath surcease, till when neither may fear nor shame the least abate the flame, ah, to his ears my woeful story bring. Since of him I was first enamoured, never hast thou, O love, my fearful heart, with any such fond Hope encouraged, as e'er its message to him to impart. To him, my lord, that me so saw bested, holds. Dying thus, twere grievous to depart. Perchance were he to know my cruel start, T'would not displease him, might I but make bold My soul to him to unfold, and show him all my woeful languishing. Love, since twast not thy will me to accord such boldness as that ever unto my king, I may discover my sad heart's full hoard, or any word or sign thereof him bring. This all my prayer to thee, O sweet my lord, hie thee to him, and so him whispering, Mind of the day I saw him turning, with all his paladins environed, and grew enamoured, even to my heart's disrupting. Which words Minuccio forthwith set to music, after a soft and plaintive fashion befitting their sense, and on the third day thereafter hired him to court, while King Pedro was yet at breakfast. 
and being bidden by the king to sing something at the accompaniment of his viol, he gave them this song, with such sweet concord of words and music that all the folk that were in the king's hall seemed, as it were, entranced. So intent and absorbed stood they to listen, and the king rather more than the rest. And when Minuccio had done singing, the king asked whence the song came, that, as far as he knew, he had never heard it before. "'Sire,' replied Minuccio, "'tis not yet three days since twas made, words and music alike.' And being asked by the king in regard of whom twas made, "'I dare not,' quoth he, "'discover such a secret save to you alone.' Bent on hearing the story, the king, when the tables were cleared, took Minuccio into his privy chamber, and there Minuccio told him everything exactly as he had heard it from Lisa's lips, whereby the king was much gratified, and lauded the maiden not a little, and said that a girl of such high spirit merited considerable treatment, and bade Minuccio to be his envoy to her, and comfort her, and tell her that without fail that very day at vespers he would come to visit her overjoyed to bear the girl such gladsome tidings minuccio tarried not but hied him back to the girl with his vial and being closeted with her told her all that had passed and then sang the song to the accompaniment of his vial whereby the girl was so cheered and delighted that forthwith there appeared most marked and manifest signs of the amendment of her health, while with passionate longing, albeit none in the house knew or divined it, she awaited the vesper hour when she was to see her lord. Knowing the girl very well, and knowing how fair she was, and pondering diverse times on what Minuccio had told him, the king, being a prince of a liberal and kindly disposition, grew ever more compassionate. So about vespers he mounted his horse and rode forth, as if for mere pleasure, and being come to the apothecary's house, demanded access to a very goodly garden that the apothecary had, and having dismounted, after a while inquired of Bernardo, touching his daughter, and whether he had yet bestowed her in marriage. Sire, replied Bernardo, she is not yet married, and indeed she has been and is still very ill, albeit since none she is wonderfully amended. The significance of which amendment being forthwith apprehended by the king. In good faith, quoth he, twere a pity so fair a creature were reft from the world so early we would go in and visit her. And presently, attended only by two of his lords and Bernardo, he betook him to her chamber, where, being entered, he drew nigh the bed whereon the girl had reclined, half sate in eager expectation of his coming. On taking her by the hand, Madonna, quoth he, what means this? A maiden like you should be the comfort of others, and you suffer yourself to languish. We would entreat you that, for the love of us, you be of good cheer, 
so as speedily to recover your health. To feel the touch of his hand, whom she loved above all else, albeit somewhat shamefast, was so enraptured that twas as if she was in paradise, and soon as she was able, My lord, she said, twas the endeavour, weak as I am, to sustain a most grievous burden that brought this sickness upon me. But twill not be long ere you will see me quit thereof, thanks to your courtesy. The hidden meaning of which words was apprehended only by the king, who momentarily made more account of the girl, and again and again inly cursed fortune, that had decreed that she should be the daughter of such a man. And yet a while he tarried with her, and comforted her, and so took his leave. Which gracious behaviour of the king was not a little commended, and accounted a signal honour to the apothecary and his daughter. The girl, glad at heart, as was ever lady of her lover, mended with reviving hope, and in a few days recovered her health, and therewith more than all her wonted beauty. Whereupon the king, having taken counsel with the queen how to reward so great a love, got him one day to horse with a great company of his barons, and hide him to the apothecary's house and being come into the garden, he sent for the apothecary and his daughter. And there, being joined by the queen with not a few ladies who received the girl into their company, they made such cheer as t'was a wonder to see. And after a while, the king and queen having called Lisa to them, quoth the king, Honourable damsel, by the great love that you have borne us, we are moved greatly to honour you, and we trust that, for love of us, the honour that we design for you will be acceptable to you. Now, tis thus we would honour you, to wit, that, seeing that you are of marriageable age, we would have you take for husband him that we shall give you, albeit tis none the less our purpose ever to call ourselves your knight, demanding no other tribute of all your love but one sole kiss. Scarlet from brow to neck, the girl, making the king's pleasure her own, thus with a low voice replied, My lord, very sure am I that, should it come to be known that I was grown enamoured of you, most folk would hold me for a fool, deeming perchance that I was out of my mind, and witless alike of my own rank and yours. But God, who alone reads the hearts of us mortals, knows that even then, when first I did affect you, I wist that you were the king, and I but the daughter of Bernardo the apothecary, and that to suffer my passion to soar so high did ill become me. But as you know far better than I, none loves of set and discreet purpose, but only according to the dictates of impulse and fancy. Which law my forces, albeit not seldom opposed, being powerless to withstand, I loved, and still love, and shall ever love you. 
but as no sooner knew I myself subjugated to your love than I vowed to ever have no will but yours. Therefore not only am I compliant to take right gladly him whom you shall be pleased to give me for husband, thereby conferring upon me great honour and dignity, but if you should bid me tarry in the fire, delighted were I to obey, so thereby I might pleasure you. How far it beseems me to have you, my king, for my knight! You best know, and therefore I say, not thereof. Nor will the kiss which you crave as your sole tribute of my love be granted, you save by leave of my lady the queen. Natheless, may you have of this great graciousness that you and my lady the queen have shown me, and which I may not requite, abundant recompense in the blessing and favour of God. And so she was silent. The queen was mightily delighted with the girl's answer, and deemed her as discreet as the king had said. The king then sent for the girl's father and mother, and being assured that his intention had their approval, summoned to his presence a young man, Perdicone by name, that was of gentle birth, but in poor circumstances, and put certain rings into his hand, and, he nowise gainsaying, wedded him to Lisa. Which done, besides jewels, many and precious, that he and the queen gave the girl, he forthwith bestowed upon Perdicone two domains, right goodly and of ample revenues. To wit, Cephalu, and Calabalotta, saying, We give them to thee for thy wife's dowry. What we have in store for thee thou wilt learn hereafter. Which said he turned to the girl, and, Now, quoth he, we are minded to cull that fruit which is due to us of thy love. And so, taking her head between both his hands, he kissed her brow. Wherefore great was the joy of Perdicone, and the father and mother and Lisa, and Lisa herself, and mighty the cheer they made, and gaily did they celebrate the nuptials. And as many affirm, right well did the king keep his promise to the girl, for that ever while he lived, he called himself her knight, nor went to any passage of arms bearing other device than that which he had from her. Now, tis by doing after this sort that sovereigns win the hearts of their subjects, give others occasion of well-doing, and gain for themselves an imperishable renown, at which mark few or none in our times have bent the brow of their understanding, the more part of the princes having become but cruel tyrants. End of day ten, the seventh story. Recording by Miette of Miette's Bedtime Story Podcast.